is an action-packed morning. <laughs> well, you just tap the person sitting next to you and ask them, did you have strong coffee this morning? <laughs> Not other strong things. And just a strong coffee. There's so many potholes for me this morning. It's, it's not even funny. <laughs> I want to I bring the conversation to the church that the world has already plugged into your home through every device, through the radio, through every magazine. You are being sex educated every day of your life. Just walk out of a building. Just drive with your eyes open. Um, and you know what? It is easier. It's really just to delay this for another year. <laughs> but um, let's, let's have a conversation. It's not that the church doesn't know what to say. It's just it's sometimes a little bit awkward. Um, and also... We are heading off relationship month, and I've got a few T's and C's. It, it's not equally relevant to everyone, and we know that. We knew that before we did the first relationship month a couple of years back. I've been running the romantic relationship month in churches I'm involved in since 2013, in May month, because it forces me to take the conversation to the church. So it's in the calendar already for next year. We will talk about it again. Um, because it's also a reminder for us, and so now we need to talk about it in our homes as well. But we know it's not equally relevant, but we do need to take the time to talk about romantic relationships because it affects almost everyone, at least very heavily, in certain seasons of their life and in other areas still but maybe less intense all right so so if you are a, for example a grandma a senior a widow it, it is not that this is not applicable to you it's just you leaning into it differently I, we really want to encourage you to be a prayerful friend to your friends that are married we want you to be a prayerful grandparent. Uh, we, we want you to know, we want you to be a spiritful teacher in the schools. Okay, we, we want you to be a company owner that is present to these things in the Lord because people will come to you and they will say, my marriage is in problems. Or, okay, so, so even if it's not very relevant to you, it is at least Relevant in the sense that you are yet to mean things to other people. Are you with me this morning? So, so give us the grace for this month, okay? Give us the grace. Um, then here is a big tease and, tease and C. I wanted to do it at the end. Um, I rewrote this thing many times. That's why my heart was beating a little bit this morning. But let me start with this. I want to start with a, with a, with a section Paul write, uh, wrote in 1 Corinthians, which is, which is actually found after the, the portion we will be focusing on. I'm going to start here just to set things in place. Let me just pray for a moment.
Jesus, we honor you in this place. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will help us to understand your will for us in, in all areas of our lives. And this month may be more specific than other months in the areas of marriage, intimacy, family. We submit our hearts, our minds, our spirits to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, it, it's, a, it's a masterpiece of literature. But it's not easy. It, it's not easy reading. And, 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 and the reason it's not easy is because today, if you want to know something, you can, on most topics, you can listen to an interview uh, that, that happened on some other uh, news platform or was arranged by university. And you can hear the two topics or the two people. Um, the one asked the question, the one answered, the one gives a little bit of a rebuttal, the other one answers again. But what happens here, it's, it comes from the pen of one man in a book. So he has received some questions, but we don't, we're not interrupted like the old Shakespeare style. Paul, double point, then he writes, and then congregation asks. So some of the things he writes is the questions they asked him. And it sounds weird. It's almost like it doesn't fit in. But that's why it's also sometimes good and helpful to have a good scholarly uh, commentary to help you. Because I checked every single commentary out there says the same things are his quotes of what they asked him. So that helps you. Okay, he's now stating what they asked and then he's answering. So it is a fascinating piece and we're going to unpack it a little bit. But right at the end we find this, which is odd. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed or a engaged woman marries or a virgin marries... She's not sinned, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. How's that for a start of relationship month? There's energy in the house. There's so much hope. And I will spare you that. Okay. Okay, he goes on. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown short from now on. Now, this is, this is very hard to read because it doesn't make sense at first. Let those who have wives live as though they had none. Uh, you see what I'm saying? It's a tough piece of scripture. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had not no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. And here's his point. I must keep on reading. For the present form of the world is passing away. Now, there's a big T and C, term and condition, I want to just put out here. Paul is not saying, you should, if you ever have a wife, you should live like she's not there. Like, ignore her. Because okay? <laughs> that would contradict a lot of the Bible. What he's saying is, things like marriage, this is amazing. Hey, buying things, doing business is good. 
But what he's saying, let us not forget what is important. Everything we deal with here needs to be put into perspective. This world will be passing away. So the one that needs to be considered first and foremost is God in all our dealings. If you are married, let it not be the idol in your life. If you have a wife, be so connected to the Lord that the fact that you have a wife is not the idol in your life because it will cause trouble in your marriage, by the way. That's what he's saying. If you do not have a wife, let it not upset you to such an extent as if an idol is being withheld with you so that your whole world is falling apart. This world is passing away. What is more important than having a wife or, have not, or not to have a wife is to have the Lord. That's all he's saying. So, as we are going into relationship month, know this, we are not saying everyone must or should marry. We are not saying it is the summit of life. It is not. That's what the scripture says. But those who are needs to do it right. Okay. Are you with me this morning? So I just, every now and then I'm just going to put a one liner out there. So, so marriage intimacy works, what the scripture tells us. Possessions are lenses that helps mankind see and worship Christ. But it is not the lenses that are divine, but that which it beholds. It is Christ. Okay. It is Christ that is important. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sex, a strong force. Let us do this. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about three views of sex and marriage. And um, these views are, are, are they, they have been topics in the past through many platforms because they are clear in this text. I haven't preached on them, I think, for quite a couple of years. So I'm going to take this approach this morning. So let me give it to you, and then we'll unpack it as we go. Now, this will help us speak to our children, our little children. This will help us speak to our friends, because we can relate to this. The one view we find out there is um, that it is necessary, but only physical. Sometimes this view is, is quoted as sex is God. You know, when you need it, you need to take it. Okay, it takes charge of you, all right, and you submit to your impulses. So it's, the, it's necessary, but remember, it's only physical. These are only, these are only body parts that touch. Don't think too much of it. Right. And so obviously this view is definitely mainstream media view. It's only physical. Okay. Right. And Paul, this is an amazing piece of work, has been writing on this more than 2,000 oh, years ago. Right. The world does not move in a straight line. It is a merry-go-round. If you stand long enough, you see the same chairs come around. All right? Sex as gross but necessary is the other view. Okay? We find this in, in, in overcorrective communities. Like it's not, you cannot speak of it. Don't say the S word. And then you, as a child, you don't know which one, which S word is it. Okay? Because... In hierdie huis was praat oor sikke goedie. Was praat oor sikke goedie. Maar die maaikies by die school gaan over praat. 
they're going to drive the conversation if you don't do it. Am I right? Okay. It's gross. But I guess it's necessary because I do want the child. And I don't want to be intimate, but I want the child, so I'll do the gross thing. Okay? This is a view that we find today not so much in mainstream media, but it was also found in Paul's time. We're going to touch on it. And then we're going to touch on the view of Christ, which, of course, I can only um, share what, I, what is given to me. The depths of it is still unfound for me. <laughs> okay. So, so let, let me start with verse 3. Well, now I'm going to read a bigger portion of Scripture, and we're going to unpack it. All things are lawful for me. Now, what? He is quoting here a saying of the time, especially in the Greek community, all things are lawful for me. Paul is not saying all things are lawful for me. He is quoting what he said in the community. All things are lawful for me. But then he says all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So he pushes back on that term. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. I'm just going to make my way through the scripture and then I'll focus on them afterwards. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that the one who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of a body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, concerning the matters about which you wrote, here's a quote. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. We need to understand how to, how to read a one-way rebuttal. Paul is not saying it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He is quoting their question to him. All right? It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He answers, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to the wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to the husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement, for a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer, and then come together again, so that Satan may not, attempt, may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, that's a mouthful. Now, let's focus in. The first view we get in the world, which is very prominent right now, is the necessary but only physical view. It is a view that is very lacking and will, is getting the world into a lot of trouble right now. It's coming for my home and your home. This is the idea that sex is used to gratify the necessary needs and that one should not overthink it. It is only body parts touching. Or 
Sex as a tool for self-gratification. This is what I need right now, and this is what I will get right now, because I need to give my body what it needs. Okay, now, this idea was driven back then by an argument that sounds like this, and it is, we, it's still current. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 13, it says, Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. Okay, can you see? They're saying these are natural things. And God will destroy both the, the one and the other. So the argument was, come on. My stomach needs bread. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take bread and I'm going to eat it. Right. Simple as that. I thirst. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some water and I'm going to drink it. Because it is a need of my body. And once I've given my body what it needs, it is satisfied. Therefore, this is the argument, I have a need to gratify myself sexually. Similarly to the fact that I was just hungry. But now I'm not hungry, I have a need for sexual intimacy. So I'm going to take my body similar to the stomach, and I'm going to just give it what it needs. Okay. This is where the view comes from. Are you with me? All right. But Paul says, but the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. But he doesn't just say no. He goes on to explain. and It's very helpful. Now, I just want to say we get the same view in 1 John 4 verse 2. What we get in 1 John, by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. What happened there, the heresy was, people beheld Jesus living a glorious life and honoring God with his body. And they said, that man did not have a real body. It's not possible for a person to glorify the Lord like that. We know we are weak. We know we are weak like humans. And so the heresy went like this. Christ was an exalted being and his body was different to ours. That's why he could abstain from sexual immorality. But he does not know how my body feels and what my body needs. Are you with me? And so the writer says, watch out. If it is a spirit, a witness, a word that says that Jesus did not have a body, watch out. It is the voice of the Antichrist. It's about to lead you astray. Because the same body you inhabit, he had. And he set the pattern for you to live. Very important. Now, let's go. Let's land this first part. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14. I'm, I'm, I'm farming on in 1 Corinthians 6 and a little bit in the first three verses of chapter 7. And God raised the Lord. And will also raise us up. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. He's saying it's not only physical. Do you not know that he who, joined, he who is joined to a prostitute become one with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Now, check this out. Acts 2 verse 17. In the last days, God declared that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's that verse. The two shall become one flesh. 
When God said, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh, every biblical scholar knows this. He did not mean he's going to put it on your fingers, on your hand. It meant your whole being. It meant your whole personhood. He would come with his spirit and fill you and touch you in places deep in your being that you will know that you are not the same. And what Paul is saying is those parts that God touches when he reaches into you and touches your full part, spirit on all flesh, those parts, the immaterial parts that lies within, they are active and goes to bed with you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, shall I be joined to a person that's not my wife and become one with her? No. And so what he did is he unpacked. He said, yes, the stomach is one thing. But let me tell you, sex is sacred. And it does not work like the stomach. It is not your whole being that is engaged when you eat a peanut butter broiki. Okay? But it's not so with sexual intimacy. There are different parts of you that is active. So I'm just unpacking it here. Our immaterial eternal substance is working when we have sex because it is working oneness between the spouses. And this has always been the plan of God. Are you with me this morning? Now, the way you break a person is by leading them astray in this area. If I say, I want you to be physically 100% naked and vulnerable with me. Okay. But I am not ready to commit in the same way, 100% with all vulnerability my whole life to you. There is a connection that does not take place. God is not boring when he says sex is meant for marriage. It has always been meant to show full person on all flesh. You'll pour your spirit on all flesh. Full person commitment on all levels would be the only place that this can work. And the moment two people becomes vulnerable and sexually active without full commitment in all the other areas, one or both feel used. And that's exactly what Scripture predicts. You are asking us to do one thing here, but you're not willing to do, to go. You're not willing to go all the way with me. You're not willing to say, if I lose my leg, You'll stay with me. You're not willing to say, if I lose my job, 
You'll stay with me, but I must be 100% vulnerable with you right here, right now. And we step into that trap because we think if we do it, it will lead to him or her being fully committed. It will not work. You will go to a job interview every time you go to bed. Trying to cross the bar, trying to make it performing, and it was not meant to be like that, and so it devastates people. Are you with me this morning? I'm not going to get done. I'm not going to finish the sermon. Never have physical oneness without whole life oneness. It creates problems you do not want to face. It will take you to shame, insecurity. You will become suspicious. Years later, suspicious, hard in your heart. Men are bad. People are bad. The Lord can heal you. But I'm not holding back to speak straight this morning. Is that okay, church? There is healing in the name of Jesus. But let us know. It is not like putting bread in a stomach. Okay? It is not just body parts touching. Okay. Let's go on. Because we need to get to the answer. We'll try and make it. The other argument is sex is gross but necessary. And Paul quotes. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Other translation says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. And then he says it's not, it's, it's not a valid view. Okay, it's not a valid, valid view. But we need to understand that when, when we were young, if you grew up in a house or a school where they said, now you listen, you must be pure until you're married. <clears throat> it sounds like God is boring. Boring, you need to understand that what happens in the Christian ma- marriage bed is, is a lot more extravagant than can ever happen out there. God's view of sex takes a person to a place in their spirit that the movies cannot. They do not have access to a whole body commitment. They, 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 they don't know it. So we need to understand that the view of the Bible on sex, it is a lot better and deeper than what the world has. It's not saying it's taboo. It's just helping us understand that from the beginning, God created the male and female. If we can go to that next verse, and, and work like this. The man shall leave his father and the mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one, guys. I want you to become one. You're no longer two, but one. Now what God has joined, let not man separate Can we go to that next slide? We see the words of Jesus there. And then we see the connections in verse 16. Do you not know? The last part, the two will become one. Okay. So sex is not gross, but only necessary. It is a sacred expression. If we go to that next slide. And it is beautiful and effective to spiritually establish and re-establish spousal oneness. It's not gross. No, 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 no. It's not gross and necessary. It's got a very deep purpose. And for those who can and those who are married, there should be a very healthy place 
of coming together. You are practicing oneness that goes beyond physical levels. And so the Bible does not say it's gross. It says it's got a beautiful place, very important place. But as strong as this thing works in a marriage, it, it, it will take you to places of pain that you have not been. If this goes outside of a marriage. And, and, and all of us that have walked that road, myself included as a young unbeliever, knows. The road of healing in this area is one of the toughest out there. You can talk to drug addicts. They come to the Lord. And many of them will tell you the story. Delivered. Bah! I am free. What Christ... I walked into that church. I walked out there. I burned my stash. I never touched it again. But talk to people that fell into sexual sin. Affairs. Pornography. You need to take that demon into a fight that you don't face on other areas if you want to win. And if you are not serious, you'll find an excuse and stay where you are. But it'll, it'll put up a fight. But you can be free if you trust the Lord. Amen? Going a little bit. I just, I just, this is a comedy. Let me, can I just take a break? You guys are sitting like this. <laughs> But I've got your attention. So, when we were young, <clears throat> the way our parents in my small town, Wellington, dealt with the topic was to say, um, remember, it's gross. Stay away. Ew! Okay, because it helps a little bit until child reaches puberty. And so we're sitting, or sitting beside Pikey in a Gesalsos manner. What, we seven, eight, or nine? I don't know, I don't know maybe ten. Any manner Gesals now who are six. <laughs> and that conversation is happening to your child. I just wanted you to know that. We asked our son the other day to say all the swear words he knows, but he, he only has to say the first letter. And so he goes, wop, pop, 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 pop. I didn't teach him that promise <laughs> we're sitting on the side park here on the curb and we're talking about sex and everyone looks at my one friend because they are five children and we're like ew your parents did it five times gross like we're only two we're only two <laughs> and <laughs> And then the seasons change. But it's not an answer. We cannot teach our children like that. It will not work. We need to tell them about oneness. We need to tell them about the spirit. We need to tell them about their hearts. And that the heart in Christian literature, by the words of Christ, are connected when two people are intimate. And that you love that little heart so much. And that you want to help them. And coach them. 
Because sex is amazing. It's not gross. But let mom and dad help you on your journey. Amen. Jesus shows us something very important. Food is meant for the stomach. There's stomach for food. You know that verse by now. Okay. And God will destroy the one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord. Now he goes to Jesus. And he's drawing lines. And whenever this happens, you need to pay attention. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take a member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? What Paul is saying, sex is not necessarily only physical, and it's not gross. It's something different altogether. He says you're a member of Christ. He takes the conversation. What does that mean? If you say there's a rugby club, a hockey club, a soccer club, and you are a member of the one, it means when you go, to, if you're a member of a hockey club, you, you, you play hockey. Okay. You, you seek to understand the rules of, of hockey. You do not go to the hockey club and come dressed like one that belongs to another. So you need to understand what, what, how does my club how does my hockey club work? I'm a member here. And what he's saying, remember, you are a member of Christ. Now, look at him and pay attention. The greatest love expression in the history of the world. We see Jesus coming to create oneness with his bride. Do you agree with me? It's his mission. I have come to lay my life down for you, to be one with you, to save you, to wash you. You are mine. I have come for you. And he says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom of many. He says, no one takes my life from me. I give my life. In the greatest story of oneness, where Christ comes from his bride, Paul is saying, you are a member of him now. So remember your bride. If you are single, envision it in prayer, whatever. But remember, you're a member of Christ. You belong to that. And this is not my line that I'm about to say to you, but I'll never forget this because this impacted me. Jesus comes to be one with his bride and he says, it's not about self-gratification. It's not about me getting what I want. It's not self-gratification. It is self-donation. I have come to give myself to my bride. And I will lay myself down. And it changes everything. Everything. Sex is much more amazing than the world believes, but the power is found in marital exclusivity and self-donation. Now we can talk to our children. 
What does this mean? The one who craves something is of one kind. The one who's here to give himself is of another. You are a member of Christ. So follow him in all the ways. Now, <laughs> this is easy to hear if you are... Um, if you've never messed up in this area, then this sermon is helpful and gives you vision. And if you worked through your past sins, <clears throat> like I did, it was a rough road. Generation is to preach the truth. Let us who have fallen, let us who have made the mistakes come to him. He will heal us. Let us not put it under the rug, right? These are sins we thought we did only with our body, but it went in deeper. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. I committed sins with my body. Jesus gave his body to come and stand in my place for my forgiveness. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. By what he has done with his body, there is forgiveness for you for what you might have done with yours. But only through repentance. And repentance that comes from the heart. Amen? Let's stand this morning. We are so out of time. Father, we want to thank you that Jesus came with his body and every sin, heartache, pain, shame that we have gotten ourselves into can be extracted and placed onto Christ for the one who brings his heart to the Lord. We don't have time to bring you to the front this morning, but I want to plead with you this morning to cry out to him where you are standing and say, Lord, heal me also because I can testify there was a healing that took place in my life since I met the Lord as a young man until the day I got married. I was restored. And tears came down my face the day when I got married, it was not sadness. It was tears of gratefulness of a God that can do a healing in deep wounds. And He can do the same for you. This is not applicable to everyone, but to those which it is. This is very important. Cry out to Him. Jesus, you hear the prayer in every heart right now. Move in and minister and love your children. And then help us. Help us to love and guide our young ones right now. It's growing up before us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Uh, I felt we needed a half an hour for ministry. So what I'm going to ask is we're going to formally dismiss this meeting. If you just want to ask anything, not on the spot. No one will think, ah, there goes the sinner. You want to ask anything, ask for prayer, advice, guidance. Can I just ask my small group leaders to hang here for the next 10 minutes? We'll start the next service five minutes late. We just want to take your hand and pray with you if you need prayer. Stick around. This is a month. It's okay if you feel hey, everything is in the air right now. Yes, it's in the air. We've got a whole month to land it. Amen. God bless you and you are dismissed. We want to, come, we want to pray with you. So come to the front if you need ministry.